welcome back to the Grindhouse Girls podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Katie. My co-host is Brittany, and this is a podcast about many strange and spooky movies. We cover a lot of independent movies and a lot of horror movies, and we do want to caution before starting podcasts that listener discretion is advised, and a lot of subject matter we cover is not appropriate for children and can be quite sensitive. So if that sounds like something that's up your alley, keep on listening. If not, thanks for stopping by and on to the podcast. Hello there, this is Katie. And hi there, I am Brittany. And this is the Grindhouse Girls podcast, episode 57. Yes, Grindhouse Girls podcast, episode 57, The Stranger by the Lake. Actually, it's just Stranger by the Lake. Stranger by the Lake, yeah. Yes. And so we're gonna we're gonna start this off. We gave this on Instagram, but um, I, I'm one. I'm really excited to discuss this movie. Two, I did yes. not realize that there is unsimulated sex scenes there in this are movie. So <laughs> quite a few. There were actually supposed to be more than there are in the movie. Um, yes, but it would have required the body doubles because the actors didn't perform the unsimulated sex. It was actually choreographed what they performed. They hired body doubles for this movie, and they were supposed to be penetrative scenes, um, but the body doubles refused to work uh, without protection, and the whole point of that scene was to not have protection, because yep. of which works thematically in the movie. I get why the director wanted and so he just decided to cut those scenes, because he was like, yeah, no, we don't need to do that. Um, F. And I feel like also, personally, and I'm not a prude, but I feel like if there was penetrated scenes, that would, like, where does the line between a film and pornography, like, begin? Yeah, that's the discussion of this movie. That's how I feel, too. I'm like, I know I'm a little bit of a prude compared to other people. I'm not that much of a prude, but I know I'm, it, I ride the line between, yeah. like, I I think art should be expressive, and I think if something tells the story whether it's nudity or sexual content if it's telling the story and there's a purpose for it that's cool that's that's fine but sometimes i feel like some movies kind of border on like did we need this particular explicit or are you just doing it to get views not sure i don't think that's 100 percent the case but i do feel some of the sexual content in this is distracting from the good parts of this film like I was, I was thinking more about the the unsimulated sex than I was about the movie at parts, and mm-hmm. I was kind of like, but the movie has a really good core. It is a thriller at its core, and it, the thriller parts are really good. And there's a lot of really good scenes in this movie, and a lot of introspective stuff. Um, but um, I guess before we get too deep into it, um, I don't have any housekeeping this week, weirdly. But do you have any housekeeping, Britt? I didn't actually. So I, I tried to be mindful and just see like what can I like oh I should have said that or you know, oh I was wrong here and I actually do not have any housekeeping. Cool. Now I know we always like to um very briefly, have you seen anything uh other than our movie of the week, have you seen anything worth uh, mentioning a little bit about? I didn't watch any new movies because it was um my dad and my aunt's birthday last weekend, so I was kind of full up on Aww. on my time was spent with family, which was great. Um, but I didn't really have as much movie watching time. Um, but I did watch a couple of television shows that were really good. 
I finally started watching Pose. I know I'm super behind. It just wrapped up its fourth season. I think it's it's done. Like they've they've they did the finale like la- a, a couple weeks ago. Um, but it is really good, and it is loosely based on the content surrounding the documentary Paris is Burning that I watched last month. I like it, but I haven't seen all of it, so I don't know. Um, and I actually started watching... This is terrible. I've seen all the memes, and I follow many of the contestants on YouTube and Instagram, and they're some of my favorite people, but I have never actually watched a full season of RuPaul's Drag Race. I've seen... I don't know why. Uh-huh. I, the show is, like, really old now and has, like, four spinoffs. But, like, I've just never, like, sa- I don't really love reality TV, if I'm to be honest. I'm not a fan of reality TV. I prefer scripted stuff because I know reality TV is scripted anyways. But I do like, like, competition shows better. But I've never, like, like, I've never been into, like, Top Chef or anything like that. Like, I don't, or Survivor. Like, none of the competition shows have ever really, like, grabbed me. But I like all the memes from RuPaul's Drag Race. And, like, I love, like, Trixie Mattel. Like, I follow um, Trixie Mattel on pretty much all social media. And they're just hilarious. Um, And a very good musician, by the way. Um, But, um, so, like, I finally started watching RuPaul's Drag Race. It's, like, the first season. So, it like, I forgot how old this series is because it's still going. Like, the, the camera quality is very not good. But, like, it is very interesting to watch. Um, so, and it's fun. And it's lighthearted. But uh, the other thing that I watched, which I really liked. I don't know why I've been on this kick lately. for Because um, I watched The Visit. And then I watched Hunters. But I just I watched this this TV show on Netflix called Unorthodox. And it's a, it's a true story about this woman who left her Orthodox Jewish community. Um... um and ran away to Berlin, and she's a real person. She really did this, and, like, her mom had left because her mom was married to her dad, and her dad had severe mental illness that was untreated, and her mom was kind of, like, it was an arranged marriage, and she, they, there wasn't any love in the marriage, and it was a dysfunctional marriage, and her mom also figured out that she was gay, and so she left, and, you know... Um, because they wouldn't accept her and she had to leave her daughter behind because they wouldn't let her take her. Like she lost custody of her. And so she grew up with her grandparents and then she was put in an arranged marriage and she and her husband, like in real life, they, they tried to move off together, but finally like her husband wouldn't leave and she, she and her child left. Um, but um, it's very interesting. They also put this in. I don't think this is part of the real story, but there is a book about it, which I haven't read. But um, it's a four. It's a. It's like almost like a mini series. There's only four episodes. It's almost like a really long movie. Um, but um, she auditions for this music school in Berlin. Her mom's from Berlin, by the way. That's why she goes to Berlin. Um, but like, it ends up like so. There's this whole thing about music too, and I love music. So, and I was like, this is great. Um, but it's very interesting because, like, again, like, I just did not realize how Amish-like the Orthodox Jewish community was in Brooklyn, New York. It's so, like, just mind-blowing that there's people in America that are in those kinds of communities. It's like the, the fundamentalist Mormon people. Like, it's just like, how how is this going on in America? It's just interesting. Like, I, I don't know. But it's a, it's a really good... Um, 
television series. It is based on real events, and the real person was involved. I think there's a documentary about the making that I haven't watched yet. But I, I really liked it. I think the acting's really good. It is in English and um, shit, Yiddish, so German, basically. Yiddish isn't strictly German, but it's very similar to German. So, and then they're in Berlin, so there's German speaking there. So, like, there's a lot of subtitles, but it's really good, and I really liked it. But anyways, that's what I've been watching. Uh, I guess, do we do we want to get into it then? Because did you watch oh, anything? You said you didn't watch anything. I will. Right? Yeah. Oh, no, I did. But oh, okay. I, I can make no, it go real ahead. quick. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I thought you said you didn't. You're good. You're good. Keep going. Oh, no, you're good. You're sorry. good. Um, so, I actually watched uh, In the Heights, which is on HBO <gasps> Yay! Max I haven't right watched now. it yet. I've been waiting to. I, I liked it. There was some, I think, questionable visual choices, but for mm-hmm. for overall, I really did like it. Uh, my mom watched it with me, and it made my mom cry. And she's like, "It makes me feel really good." And the and I'll be honest. So I only know a few of the songs from the original. Like I did not know the original um, Broadway version by the back of my hand, which may have been easier for me to like come to the movie with fresher eyes. Um, mm-hmm. than someone who's like listened to it religiously for years but yeah I, I did like it and like I said my mom um, came to this completely fresh she never heard anything from In the Heights um, and my mom loved it um, It's a, I cried. love the music from it it's so energetic and mm-hmm. there's because Lin-Manuel Miranda wrote it so autobiographically mm-hmm. I think and the thing is like I love him as Usnavi because it is so much him and he's so good at playing himself um, which is why, like, in Hamilton, I think he's one of the weaker parts of Hamilton. Not because he's a bad performer, but he still seems like himself. He doesn't really transform into Hamilton, personally, in I've, my opinion. So I feel like I feel like Hamilton and Hamilton is actually just one of the weaker characters when you compare true. him to, to the other characters. Like, I'm yeah. sorry, but, like, uh, Angelica and Burr are so much more interesting dynamically to me. Um so yeah, because that's the thing. I love Hamilton, but I would not want to be Hamilton in Hamilton. So yeah. was that? Did you watch anything else? <laughs> oh, one more thing. Yeah, no, we gotta get recording. Um, I actually yeah, saw the sorry. Goonies for the first time. Well, you've never seen the Goonies before. I've never seen the Goonies before <gasps> this week. Goonies never say die. Oh, did you like it? I did. Okay, so I feel like it was cute. I wasn't like, oh my god. But then again, I also grew. I grew up with, like, The Sandlot and Homeward Bound, so those are, like, more my movies from growing the up. The Goonies did it first, though. The Goonies was The Sandlot before The Sandlot was a thing. Yeah. You I know. You know what probably helps with The Sandlot is that I had a dog. Let's be real. Like, <laughs> I but love, I did like yeah. The Goonies. Yeah. It's a great movie. It was movie. cute. I watched it a lot as a child. A lot as a child. and Which is why when What's-His-Face played Samwise, G. On, oh, Sean Astin. Yeah, Sean Astin. When he played uh, Sam, I was like, oh, I'll see it because it's the guy from The Goonies. Because I just thought he was like the cutest man. Um, I was a child, too. But when he was in The Goonies, um, I was like, oh, uh, I love The Goonies. Also, Marsha Plimpton plays the gum-chewing friend that makes hat with yeah. mouth. And I love Martha Plimpton. She's so funny. Um, yeah, it's a great movie. I'm glad you finally saw it. I didn't know you hadn't seen yeah. The Goonies. I had it, and Taylor always, I knew, like, certain things from the Goonies because part of, like, parts of the Goonies has become of, like, part of our pop culture, like, yeah. lexicon. Um, so I knew a lot of references. i just never seen the movie. But um, yeah. Taylor loves it. And so he was like, we don't have anything to watch. We're watching the Goonies. So I'm like, okay, we can watch the Goonies because it's on HBO Max right now. So 
It's a great. It's a great movie. It's a good like kids adventure movie. It's kind of yeah. like it without a scary clown, but scary yes. real people. It actually is pretty scary because there's like people with guns and they're good. There's dead bodies and shit, and it's like oh my god. Um, yeah, at one point they almost put Chunk's hand in a blender. I'm like, that's pretty serious for yeah. a kid's movie. So. I know. I've been watching that movie since I was a little kid, and I'm like, I watched this as a doll. I was like, that's pretty, that's pretty rough. These kids are like an actual physical danger, but uh, it's cute. It's a cute movie. I think it's it's part of like growing up to see that movie. I think it resonates better with you if you're younger when you see it. Um, yeah. Even though my parents were probably adults when it came out and they saw it but they made they watched it with us so i think they bonded with it because of that um yeah it's a great movie the goonies is one that i think everyone should see at least once uh, if not just to get all the references yeah you know we have yes. to move on it is yes. it is time to talk about stranger by the lake it is, and I want to remind you guys, um, so this is available to rent on Amazon Prime, but I think both both me and Katie did. We also um, downloaded the Strand Hell releasing yeah. app for Amazon, so it's a seven-day free trial, and then mm-hmm. I think it's $7 a month after seven days. I think something like that. I think I'll probably cancel this one because I was looking at their library. There's only one other movie I'm interested in watching from their library. It seems like they, they um, release a lot of, in, like, uh, international films mm-hmm. to America, which is cool, but um, I just like none of them seemed really interesting to me. Yeah. I was like, huh. So I think I'll probably cancel it. Um, unlike all my other subscriptions, where like Epics, I basically got it just because I wanted to watch Saint Maud, and then Saint Maud ended up coming up on every streaming. <laughs> but it's okay. It's okay. Um, yeah, so you can do that. I think there's also that library subscription yes. that you can also do. Yeah, because, um, um, and I did want to say real, real quick, because my, um, uh, my new friend, Hudson, uh, we, we had fun hey, about Hudson. doing Stranger by the Lake, and then he, um, he was, when I asked him for some suggestions, he actually, this was the first movie he recommended, and Katie's right, I think it's can- can- Canopy? Canopy? I think, I think that's what yeah. we, with a K. Yes. So there's a couple of different ways you can watch it. Um, I will get into recommendations, but I will. I think Britt already gave this warning at the beginning, but this movie has graphic sexual content in it. That's it. It's not for the faint of heart. I would call this. It's not softcore. It is. I would call it hardcore because it doesn't shy away. Now um, the same not in a. Less- violent way it's not a violent sexual graphic nature it's just it's sex yeah it is and it's two scenes so there's two pretty hardcore scenes now i will say each scene maybe lasts like six seven seconds so it's not like it's not like continuously but when you see it i mean it was a shock because i don't think either me or you were expecting it no if i had known what i was getting into i don't think it would have been quite so like oh my gosh abrupt but um, we'll talk about that, yeah, in context later. But just it, I, it, if you don't like watching people have sex, if you if you're not into pornography, um, either have your remote ready to fast forward or just skip this one. But I think it's a good movie, and I think um, I I kind of wish they would release a edited version because I feel like I would recommend this to more people if it didn't have that because I'm like. There's a 
there's there's a a certain thing about like unsimulated sex on camera. I'm like, I is it pornography? I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, but it's it's an interesting movie. Uh, it is written and directed by the same person, Alan Gerarde is how yes. I'm gonna say his name. Um, every, this is a French movie, so please forgive us. Um, for mispronouncing French names. Um, but yeah, he's a, this was his first of his 10 films to the date and time of this movie being released that actually got released in a wide release. Apparently all of his other movies were very limited releases, but he had made 10 movies before this movie. Interesting enough. So, and he's an openly gay French director Mm -hmm. too. And so, um, my understanding was that this movie kind of helped him come more to terms with his sexuality. Mm -hmm. And fun fact, um, so as we know, 80% of the movie, um, the characters are nude. Like, completely nude. Like, you know, the the running joke is that you could take all the wardrobe from this movie and put it in one dresser drawer. And that's not a lie. Mm -hmm. But he actually um, kept the nude most of the time on set too. He Uh, was nude? He was nude most of the time on set too, okay. to kind of help right. the, to make the actors feel more comfortable. And fun fact: the first person that Frank talks to on the beach is actually him. Aww, yeah. that's great. <laughs> um, that's funny. Also, I'm like, I don't know how to feel about that. He did. He put in the casting call that you would be naked for eighty percent of the filming. So, like, both all the actors who got involved. Um, came ready to do that and he was upfront about the sex scenes as well but he kind of changed his mind before filming he was like i'm just not sure an actor has the same ability to hold an erection while being filmed and also i don't really want to make them feel uncomfortable i don't so that's why he hired body doubles for the sexual scenes now there are scenes where you see the actors faces that they are actually simulating sex there is simulated sex in this too um there's one scene in particular where you see both of their faces and those were highly choreographed before they got on set um so it was very mechanical the actor said so they really didn't feel uncomfortable with it when they finally filmed it so i think that's sometimes the best way to film a sex scene in a professional manner is yeah. to treat it more like a dance than sex um, interesting enough too um talking about that so i came across this interview and i don't know if you came across the same interview but they were um interviewing this, the the two male actors and mm-hmm. um the interviewer asked something to the point of do you do you think your sexuality affects your performances at all and w- the actor who plays michelle uh basically said something not not verbatim but he was like well do you have to be a fish to swim in water? And the actor, uh, the actor that plays Frank is like, you know, no, I, you know, honestly, I didn't think about it. I talked to my casting agent and she, and she told me, uh, what was entailing. And she said, but the director is great and people love working with him and I would be comfortable on the set. And he goes, yeah. and I just went for it because he's like, I just figured it would open more doors. So my understanding is these actors may be straight that are playing these roles. Yeah. Too. I don't think it's been, I don't think it's a no. Their sexuality is known or out, yeah. at least not anywhere I saw on Wikipedia or anything like that, um, or on yeah. IMDb. So, like, which I mean, I I did listen to one other podcast about this um, because I was having a hard time finding a lot. I had, I saw some interviews, but I just wanted to know more about the background, and I also. 
I kept the only other like reviews or um, like background stuff I tended to find were all from straight cisgendered people. Yeah. And <laughs> I just wanted to have like a queer viewpoint of it. So I found a podcast that specifically talks about queer cinema. And let me see if I can find it. Because um, I was listening to it earlier today. And I think they even were like, I don't want to like, they just were kind of like, you know, oh, queer and now. Queer and now, which I think is a really cute name. Shout out to Queer and Now podcast. That's cute. They're both gay men who, uh, like, they, I guess they go through queer cinema. And Mm -hmm. I was like, oh, that's cool. Um, Their podcast is pretty, pretty entertaining. They pretty much, they're kind of like us. They get to the point pretty quickly. Um, And they were like, you know, it doesn't necessarily matter that the actors are gay or straight but it is nice to know that the person behind the camera has a queer voice because i think the interpretation is stronger and i tend to agree i'm like not that a straight person couldn't direct a story like this i think if it was the right person and they had an open mind and they listened to the queer community um but it does help having that experience behind the camera it's more truthful and i think we saw that a lot with celine siama um for portrait of a lady on fire which i don't know if you saw this but the cinematographer for this movie same uh, claire mathon is also the same cinematographer that did portrait of a lady on fire yes Um, which it's both naturalistic lighting and just beautiful this the cinematography is really beautiful in this movie um, I just want to go to France and find this lake. And I mean, I, I'm not a gay man, but I just want to go to this lake and swim because it's gorgeous. Yes. Um, I don't know if I would go. By the way, this is based on an actual spot that the director knows about in France, but it wasn't filmed in the actual spot. He filmed it at a different lake because he wanted somewhere like sunnier and prettier. So I'm not sure if the actual beach they film at is a cruising spot, um, but there is a real cruising spot like this and that's kind of where he got the idea for it um but yeah i was i was like oh my god it's portrait of a lady on fire it's the same cinematographer she is a working cinematographer she has like a two decades of work behind her and she's still filming um yeah so and this movie was also got nominated too yes yes and so this movie is like visually beautiful and i had the issue when i was watching it like because there's no music in this movie no soundtrack None. the only soundtrack is like what's like portrait of a lady and... empire yeah so oh. it's like so you hear like the rustling of like the wind or you'll hear like an airplane or you hear like the panted breaths mm-hmm. if they're like making love um but it it kind of lulls you like i felt like yeah. so sleepy watching it because it's so calming like the noises in the film are it almost makes it seem more voyeuristic Mm-hmm. And it is somewhat in how it's filmed because some scenes are filmed like you're watching what's happening from a distance. Um, but it did feel almost voyeuristic because it did seem so natural. Um, also, I couldn't get over the fact that it was very rocky beach and people kept sitting on these rocks in their swimsuits. Oh, I kept and I was like, that too. I was like, is that not uncomfortable? Like, I feel like it's, but they seem comfortable. So I don't know. Um, and the movie's supposed to take place over 10 days, and they yes. had a very short shoot. There was only one day they said they got rained out, um, so they pretty much... But they couldn't really work that day because he was like... Um, the main character, uh, Pierre de la, de la Donchamp, 
um, who plays Franck, um, did a lot of festival circuits. And I, I found a lot of interviews with him because he went to a lot of, like, especially Canadian film festivals. And um, he did the Q&As afterwards, um, which is interesting. I didn't see the director do any Q&As after premieres. I saw a couple interviews with him, but it seemed like Pierre was really attached to this project and very passionate about it. Um, this movie did win the Queer Palm and the Best Director Palm Dale at the Cannes Film Festival, um, which I think is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so it seemed, it's, it seems like a passion project for this director, but um, it's great. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I'm kind of torn with this movie because I really like the thriller aspects of this movie, but also there is such graphic sex. It's very interesting because Portrait of a Lady on Fire is very much a queer film as well, but I felt like I could recommend it to anyone because even though there are sensual scenes, there's not really anything graphically sexual. Um, yeah. And that's why like, I felt like it was just like an easy recommendation for someone who wants to explore queer cinema but doesn't want to like, you know, isn't sure. Like, get, get their toes wet. Like, I Do thought you... Portrait of a Lady on Fire is just more universal and this one's very specific to a certain group of people i guess i don't know i wonder if it's arguable too that this is like a male director versus portrait of a lady being female director like i don't know if that would have anything to do with like the sensuality of it yeah Um, and there's there's moments of sensuality Mm -hmm. in this movie too Mm -hmm. so it's not like all just like graphic i guess that's like an argument it's not even the nudity Um, either it's yeah it's the it's the i mean and that's like i don't really want to i don't want to like pocket it to like men are one kind of sexuality but i will say like let's just face it if you have a i don't want to be too crass i'm just saying physically sex for men involves a much more active role and women is a little more passive or sensual because of how our bodies are made and sex organs are made you have to be active if you're a man because you have a penis penetrative it's just a little more active and i wonder if it's more like it seems more graphic because it's more of an active thing than like women tend to be more not not completely but i think women tend to be a little more sensual with sex they're a little more about foreplay and less about but i mean this movie has foreplay but i'm just saying like yeah but i mean it is like physically you know it's more external for men and more internal for women physically and so maybe it seems more graphic because we're women i don't know yeah I think it's interesting. We'll probably get into this about Frank's character too, but I it was yes. I I, I kind of have a hard time like figuring out what Frank really wanted. <laughs> uh, Some lady in a discussion said, "I've never felt so attached to someone who made so many bad decisions so much yeah. in a movie." Yeah. And I mean, I think it helps that he's, like, literally, like, an adorable man. Like, he just has, like, these he's big, like, puppy dog eyes. And he's, I kind of got young Ethan Hawke vibes a little bit. I oh, don't know okay. if you got that. I think him. he's cuter than Ethan Hawke, honestly. Yeah, no, he's he's more attractive. I think it's just, like, kind of his facial expression sometimes reminds me of Ethan Hawke. Um, 
But I but I also was thinking of Before Sunset because of course I watched the Before Sunset movie uh, recently and Ethan Hawke was also like almost thirty years younger in that movie. Um, yeah. So, but yeah, um, but I know we'll get into it. So I know we're going to do a very quick rundown of the characters mm-hmm. and then we're going to dive right into this movie. Um, yeah. So we got Pierre and you you say his last name so much more beautifully than I can. Pierre Deladonchamp as Franck. Yes. And he actually won the Caesar Award for Most Promising Actor for this movie. Um, and he was later nominated for the Caesar Award for Best Actor. So he won for Most Promising Actor, later was nominated for Best Actor for the drama A Kid. Um, but he was also in the movies Eternity, Golden Years, Sorry Angel, and Madame Claude was his most recent film that he's been and in. And he does a lot of French TV as well. So he's a, an a active actor. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have Christophe Poe. As Michel, I don't know if I'm saying his last name correct. I heard Pierre's said a lot, but not um, Pau's. Um, who's also like in TV, television and film in France. But he was in, there was actually an American movie that he was in that's based in France when, France, when he was younger. Um, before this movie, or maybe around the same time, called The Affair of the Necklace. Which I still haven't seen, but I know Hilary Swank's in it. And it always used to pop up on my Netflix suggestions. And he pretty much got, he pretty much got cast because he looked like Burt Reynolds slash Tom Selleck. Yes. Because that is exactly how he looks in this movie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Um, we do have, uh, Patrick D. I, I am so sorry about His name, I get really, yeah. It's probably Das, 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 Patrick! Patrick! Sees IMDb as Henri, which Henri. I get how to say Henri's name. It's like uh, Henri, but with an R. I I loved his character, by the way. I do um, too. I loved him, and uh, he he appeared in the movie A Childhood, all about um, all about them. Am I reading that right? I can't remember my own handwriting. Damn it! Uh, the Apparition, <laughs> and he was also in I Lost My Body, which was nominated yes. for Best Animation uh, Animated Film a couple years back now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always wanted to see I Lost My Body. I've heard really good things. I heard about it was that really one. good. Yeah, I heard it should have won that year too. A lot of people were like, "Yeah, that should have won," and something else won. Um, but yeah, and then Jerome Chapet as Inspector Damrodeur. They didn't really say his last name, so I'm totally guessing on that last name. Um, he's, again, an acting... He's still an active actor, it looks like. Um, yeah. But he yeah. hasn't done as much stuff, but I thought he was good, too. There's a, there's a lot of other people in it, but they're they're either not named, because this movie is about anonymous sex, and um, either they're not named or um, like they weren't really super important, I guess. At least in my view. Like, yeah. I would agree. Yeah. These are like the four main characters. Very. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, of course, I would say we can even take Damrodder out of the equation and then make it about Henri, yeah. Franck, and Michelle. And they're like our trifecta. Yeah. The inspector is really more of a catalyst for making things mm-hmm. happen than a character, you know. But he does have some important things to say. Which, I thought he did a good job. Um, yeah. Do you have a synopsis for this? I do. It's not a very okay. good one. But um, it is a synopsis. And it's, um, Frank spends his days at an idyllic lake that also serves as a cruising spot. While there, he meets the lonely Henri, who he befriends. And he starts to fall for the attractive and dangerous Michelle. See, mine was like, 
during a hot summer. Franck visits his regular lakeside cruising spot and sets his sights on the dangerously attractive Michel and befriends a lonely older man named Henri. I just feel like this movie reads like a romance novel. Yeah. Kind of. It kind of does. Okay, I will say, this just popped in my head. This movie does kind of feel like like a trashy romance novel. Like, it really does. Like, all the twists and turns. I could see this in, like, a pulp fi- pulp kind of book. Like, pulp fiction book. <laughs> um, but it, it's, it's, it's elevated. It's not trash. But I like those kinds of books, too. So, like, I wouldn't say don't do that. Um, so, I guess before we get into spoilers, do we want to say uh, recommend? I, or I not mean, recommend? I, I would recommend but i would recommend with the uh cavalt that there is um caveat thank you um once again reading uh sorry (laughs) you're good you're good you're good i'm glad i'm Uh, a listener yeah i'm a listener um but uh even even fun fact guys usually katie listens to interviews and i read interviews and articles just shows you how how we operate um but the caveat i would (laughs) give would be there is um even though they're they're not very long graphic sex scenes. There is graphic sex scenes. I would recommend. Yeah. I would definitely recommend this movie to someone only if they were eighteen or older, and if they yes. were ma- if they were mature, eighteen. Or if older. you are a sexually mature adult, yeah, and don't mind seeing just penises all over the place. That's the other thing is people are naked most of the time in this movie, but they're very casually naked, and it yeah. is like it's basically a nude beach. And they just film it like everyone's wearing clothes. Like, they don't really pay attention to the dicks. So there's just, there's a lot of penises. There's some circumcised and uncircumcised. And I was just like, interesting. Okay. I like it. I like it because I found it. I found it refreshing because we don't really yeah. see mel, we don't really see male nudity in films anyway. Yes, so it was refreshing to see male nudity and not just be it's graphic sex all the time. Like yes. these guys just hanging out, just chilling with their dicks out. Like yes, <laughs> but there's a lot of penis in this movie. Yes. So if that's something that makes you uncomfortable, not judging, um, it's okay to not watch this movie because even like even the not graphic sexual scenes. There's probably like five penises in the shot because people are just hanging out at the nude beach, and that's fine. But they don't censor it. Like I feel like in America, if we had a movie like this, there'd be like a strategic bush or like a towel or something. People would just yeah. like happen to be holding it because also it's hard to find actors who want to be fully nude on screen in America. I feel like it's something more frowned upon in America. Um, like you almost feel like we we have a very big distinction between being an actor, an adult film actor in America, and the lines are not often blurred. Um, because also pornography in America is not as high. I don't know. It's not like the acting doesn't have to be high quality. People don't really watch pornography in America for the the story. Um, there's exceptions, I'm sure, but like I'm not a I'm not a big porn connoisseur. But of what I've seen, it's pretty much just like, hey, fix my pipes, all right, and then they fuck. Um, I will say this movie. I know I know I've told Brittany about this, but I don't know if I kept it on the podcast. This movie reminds me because of the location, because it's a bunch of like naked men in the woods hooking up. It reminds me visually of this gay pornography 
that I have seen, but without the sex, because they're my favorite, my, my first TikTok video that went semi-viral, not super viral, just like several thousand views, was like, show me a video that lives rent-free in your head, and there's this, this video from a porn, and it's from apparently a trilogy of pornographies called like the Catalina something, and the movie the clip is just this guy saying i should have left you on that street corner where i found you and this other guy goes but you didn't and i was just i needed to know the context of that scene so there are people that upload on youtube porn without the porn well they will upload the really bad acting scenes and take up the sex scenes and so i watched that and it was i watched the whole thing and found out it was the wrong one in the trilogy it was the same actor and he was wearing similar clothing because probably they were all filmed in the same time but i watched an entire gay pornography without the sex and like it wasn't even the right one there were some really funny things in it but i was like i've never figured out the context of that scene and it bothers me but the one i ended up watching which i can't even remember what it's called is also a bunch of men in the woods hooking up and so like so i was getting like flashbacks to that and i was like huh is that just do men just like to hook up in the woods is that just a thing because i always think about ticks and things like the whole time people are hooking up it looks really romantic that they're like in the grass and they're like just sprawled out naked enjoying each other i was like oh that's romantic but then i think about how itchy that grass probably is and that there's ticks and shit and i used to camp a lot but i'm just like i just i don't feel like i need sex that badly to risk getting ticks i don't know sorry i wasn't trying to go on tangent i just i was visually this movie does like kind of you know it's just a lot of naked men and that's is cool i was i i would say it does get very hot and heavy i was i was feeling i was feeling the heat and i was like oh because i've never really watched gay porn sex scenes i've never watched two men have sex before in my entire life. But I mean, it's not something that you necessarily go seek out, I guess. Or just maybe I haven't watched enough. I don't know. Is is it weird that I've never seen two men have sex before? I don't think I... Now that you mention it, I don't think I've seen gay... I don't ever think I've seen intentional gay porn. It's more like I've yeah. walked into a room and someone was watching yes. it. Yeah. Yes. And honestly, there was a scene where they were there was a sex act and the way they were performing it surprised me. And I was like, Oh, Oh, I guess you could do that that way. Huh? I didn't yep. think about that. I was like, wow, I feel really like, uh, really, um, small minded that I never realized you could do this specific sex act the way they were doing it. And I was like, huh, you learn something new every day. <laughs> I was just like, ah, so it's not, I mean, it's I I don't know I don't feel like I don't know this this is like it's a hard to recommend movie because again I feel like Portrait of a Lady on Fire was such a great movie in the LGBTQ plus genre because it's not really and the other thing about Portrait of a Lady on Fire it doesn't feel like it's pigeonholing itself in something I think it's just a great movie and it just happens that the two main characters are women. And they're in love. This movie didn't really feel like, um, I don't know. It just felt like a lot of, I, I don't know. It, it doesn't feel like I could recommend it as well simply because of the explicit sex acts. 
The rest yeah. of the movie feels like Portrait of a Lady on Fire, where it's just a, a thriller, and the two people who are in a romantic relationship happen to be men. And, like, I don't think this the story makes more sense if it's men, but I don't feel like they treat the characters as a stereotype. Yeah, I agree with that. Which is important, which is how I felt about Portrait of a Lady on Fire, which is why it was so refreshing. Because a lot of times you watch movies with LGBTQ plus characters, and they're very stereotypical because, like, a straight vanilla person wrote it and they're like all gay people act like this and it's like nah it's just just because you're gay doesn't mean you have to act a certain way and just because you're straight doesn't mean you act a certain way everybody's an individual um but it's just the graphicness i'm like i'm like i would love to recommend this to more people but i feel like i'd have to give them all a warning that there's a lot of just lots of penises and um there is a there is a a, a money shot a cum shot which yeah. that's probably the thing because it's the first thing that's graphic, and it kind of comes out of nowhere. Yeah, like there was a sensual scene, and then all of a sudden it's just like, and here's an ejaculating penis, and I was like, all right, okay. Yeah. And that's I, I decided to start watching this on a Sunday afternoon. Had my windows open in my front room and had to abruptly close them because there are children in my neighborhood. I was like, I don't want any of my neighbors calling me and asking me why I'm showing the children porn. So I just <laughs> did that. Anyways, I'm sorry. That's a link. So yeah, recommend, but caveat. Yes. Definitely a caveat. Absolutely. Um, but I wouldn't say avoid it because of it, because it is a good movie. It I is think a it's good an movie. interesting story. It and is. It, I think it's unique to male gay culture because cruising spots are it's a it's a big thing. The anonymity of cruising is the scary part in this movie, and I think that's why it's such a good catalyst for this film is that whenever you have anonymous sex it's dangerous and sex can be dangerous and sex is about power and it's a power struggle and i think using this environment is a really good setting and thematically really ties into the plot and it's really Um, tight too because the whole action takes place at this lake in the woods surrounding the lake so i mean we're not ever going to their homes we're not ever in the cars with them we are only at the lake in the woods surrounding the lake yeah and it's it's a yeah it's a very tight film like you said it's very there's nothing extra or extrapolate extrapolous extraneous Nothing, nothing extra. Yeah, it's just what we need, and but then also some graphic sex scenes. That's probably extra. I feel like you could cut the the cum shots out, and probably it would be fine. Personally, but you know, I don't know. That I mean, the director wanted it. He felt it was necessary. I think there are scenes that are necessary, um, sexually, but. We'll talk about it when we get in. Sorry. We, yeah. A lot of caveats. Sorry. I'll probably cut a lot of that down. But let's, uh, I guess we should get into spoilers, Britt. Yeah. And so once again, we um, are again talking about the 2013 French filler, uh, thriller, uh, Stranger by the Lake. Um, mm. And here we are. We're starting. Um, so basically we have Franck. He's coming to this little idyllic lake um, that's kind of acts like a noob's beach that also is kind of like a cruising spot for uh, local gay men. And he takes a swim, and he happens to... This is the first time he's been back this summer. He meets this man, Henri. uh, And they talk like they're complete strangers, but they just have, like, this kind of instant friendly chemistry. And they talk. And then um, 
Frank sees the uh, object of inspection, which we we don't find out his name till later in the movie, but we'll go ahead and reference him by his name. His name is Michel. He's a, a he's a yeah he's a Tom Selleck lookalike, um, mm-hmm. and he sees. We call him the swimmer because he's always swimming. Yeah, he's always swimming. He's tan. He's beautiful. Um, and um, Frank w- uh, watches him venture into the forest where he finds him engaging in uh, sexual acts with someone else. Um, and so the next day, um, he comes back, he talks with Henri Moore, and I think this mm-hmm. is a very poor uh, bit of information. Uh, so we find out that Henri broke up with his girlfriend. He is yes. bisexual, and uh, he doesn't come for cruising. He comes because yes. he finds it relaxing. And he yes. even makes a comment when you were talking, Katie, about how like um, we tend to fall into stereotypes. And he literally talks to Frank, and he's like, mm-hmm. "You don't have a girlfriend." And Frank's like, "No, I'm I'm gay." And he's like, "And you only sleep with men?" And he's like, "I find that unusual because like the man I was with, he was like, you know." feminine and sweet right and once again Henri even kind of coming into terms of his own sexuality has this preconceived idea of what gay yes. men are like yeah because so. he's like i've had sexual encounters with men but i've never met a man who's exclusively dating men and it's kind of like an eye-opening experience for Henri. he's not judgmental even no. he's just kind of like huh interesting they have a conversation later in the movie about how interesting is to have chemistry with someone but not be sexually attracted to them when yeah. it's a good friendship um i love their relationship i, I think too. it's one of the best parts of the movie and it's very introspective and i'm pretty sure maybe that's what um the director i'm sure much much of his introspective working through stuff i feel like is probably explored in those conversations because they seem to be the most philosophical yeah they do and i, I like how they talk to each other like they've known each other for years it's like Mm -hmm. you know it's like they're kindred spirits essentially i think is what it is yes um but it's 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 so he's talking to Henri. he sees the swimmer the object of his Mm -hmm. affection go for a swim and he's like i'm gonna go swim after him and then uh he comes back from shore and i love this part because uh michelle is wearing these tennis shoes while completely naked yes i immediately (laughs) got the heebie-jeebies yeah, I, like, I don't trust you because you're you're completely nude yet you're wearing shoes. I don't yeah. like that. It's like so weird. <laughs> and then okay, so Katie's already heard me talk about this, but um, his jealous lover, um, the swimmer's jealous lover, approaches him while they're chatting, and his lover looks like Action Kutcher. I'm sorry, he does. <laughs> and so like all these like projectors, I'm like he looks like this actor. Um, so um, his lover is like, hey, I was waiting for you, and he follows him into the woods. Um, mm-hmm. so at this part, it's. I'm so sorry. I don't know this this character. Is this the thing. guy in the white shorts? This is uh oh oh not the masturbator. Um, so oh. Frank is feeling kind of like jealous because he like yeah. really is attracted to this man. So he goes find Batman shirt guy. <laughs> oh yeah, Batman shirt man. I think that that uh that podcast I was listening to said the same thing. They're like yeah, the guy with the Batman shirt. Yeah, or um, I, I put Batman shirt slash condom guy. And yes, yeah. Which this is an important scene because it seems like such a little thing, mm-hmm. but it really shows how irresponsible Franck is with himself. Yeah. And because, so he's hooking up with Con- Batman shirt guy and they're making out and he's like, oh, I want to give you a blowjob. I can't remember who wants to give who a blowjob, oh, but somebody. Oh, it's Franck. Yeah, wants to give Franck was, mm-hmm. yeah. And he's like, oh, I don't have a condom. And Franck's like, who the fuck cares? It's just oral. And he's like, do you not? 
like worry about having anonymous sex with people and not staying protected like you could get sick you could get a disease like that's not good you should you shouldn't be so careless with yourself and he's not even trying to lecture him he's just like worried about him. he's like why don't you worry about that because it is like it is not it's it's better to protect yourself like i cannot imagine having anonymous sex with someone and not using protection well what's interesting and what i'm sure you've come a lot across in criticisms of this film is that you don't really know what time period it is because it seems like we because literally frank tells the batman shirt man he goes well are you sick which obviously is a reference to aids but at the same time they don't have cell phones either so we don't really know but yeah but my thinking was the cell phones was if you're going to hook up with people anonymously, mm-hmm. you don't know this other person. They could be a thief. Yeah. They could be normal. You probably left your cell phone in the car. Fair. Fair. And you'll probably be taking your pants off a lot because it's a nude beach. Mm. Why would you br- even bother bringing your cell phone onto the beach? True. You know? So, I mean, that's why I was like, I feel like this is probably between the 90s and the 2000s because they're not really dressed – in a period way. Yeah. I mean, they're not dressed most of the movie, but, um, like, most things seem to be, like, late 90s, early 2000s dress. But there's not really... You could set this movie whenever. Yeah. Um, they have cars, but it's also Europe, so their cars are a little different than in America. So I, I'm having a hard time setting the time period with that, too. But, yeah, so they, they don't end up um, having oral sex, but... Um, Again, like this is this is the ejaculation scene because they end up just having a what do you call it manual sex yeah hand job. Mm-hmm. I was just, I was like, there's a more technical term than just a hand job, and um, but it's important to note that there's no condom, and I think that's a like, and this is why like I understand why some of the sex scenes are important to know that Franck is too trusting in other people in sex like he just believes people when they say yeah i don't have aids yeah i don't have an std um he just believes them at their word even if he doesn't really believe them he doesn't seem to really care for himself and he also offhandedly mentions when Henri asks him what he does he said i used to sell fruits and vegetables at a market yeah and he never really says what he does now and i'm like i wonder if he's lost his job and he's kind of like in a weird transitional period in his life and is kind of feeling like listless and kind of just like he's floating in life or something. I wonder if he's yeah. going through a bad period mentally and, and maybe that's why he doesn't care about himself as much. I think also he's like has a philosophy that he's really living in the now. Like it's like he's not thinking about the future. He's just living in the now. Yeah. And he's younger. He's younger than most of the men there. Mm. Um, cause most of the men tend to be, um, like middle-aged mm-hmm. to a little older. Um, and he's a little bit younger. He's probably like late 20, like mid, mid to late twenties. Yeah. And I feel like we see that a lot in the movie as, uh, he is like the, um, the stares, the gazes are at him because he is young and he is handsome. So anywhere yeah. he goes, the eyes kind of follow him too. Which is interesting because he wants Michelle. Mm-hmm. Even though everyone wants him. Yeah. It's interesting. Except for Henri. Henri just wants to be his friend. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it's, it's interesting. So he ends up hooking up with this guy and staying later than normal. And it's dark out. And he's in the woods. And he, 
is kind of voyeuristically watching people swim in the woods and um, there are two men swimming and one of first it seems like they're playing yeah in the water and then one of them holds the other one under the water and the other one never comes up and when they <laughs> when they come out of the water the one who's still alive um, they put on their gym shoes and then I'm like oh shit Oh, it's Michelle. So, Michelle's murdered somebody. Doesn't seem to be any lead-up to the murder. It seemed to be very abrupt. Um, And Franck sees it and says nothing. Says nothing to the police. Says nothing to Michelle. Yeah. Um, And Michelle questioning Franck. Yeah, Michelle realizes it's Franck, too, because, I mean, we figure it out later, but when he leaves, um, there's still a car left. And he looks at the car, and he's like, huh, because he realizes someone's still here. And, of course, Franck, it's really interesting, because this scene, after he witnesses the murder, he's he's surrounded in darkness, so we can see his Mm -hmm. outline, but we can't really see his face and what he's thinking. Right. Yeah. It was very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And uh, he, so Michelle ends up coming up to him the next day and kind of pursuing him. And there is, because he saw the car, it's like, is he pursuing him because he likes him? Or is he pursuing him because he thinks he should keep him close so he doesn't tell on him? Yeah. Because he asked him, like, oh, is that your car? And he's like, yeah. And um, and he, Frank tells him, like, yeah, that's my car. Uh, Frank's not, I don't, he's not the wisest person. I don't think he's stupid, but he's not very protective of himself. Well, what's amazing is, like, he's so, like, drawn to Mish. Like, I, I like to think, I like to think that, like, even no matter how attractive I found someone, if I saw them kill someone else, I would still be like, yeah. oh, fuck. Um, but it's almost like Michelle is just too tempting for him to resist and it almost makes yeah. me wonder if it's like the darker side of human nature that if you really are lusting mm-hmm. some, something after someone who seems out of reach for you how far are you willing to go um and i think that's an yeah. interesting dynamic but you're still also screaming like silently just screaming watching him the whole time too i feel yeah and like i think it is more of a symbolic thing about you know the podcast i listened to mentioned like power struggle the power of sex i think that is part but also like the danger we put ourselves in to get something we want like are we willing to put our lives at risk for a hookup that may or may not be worth it yeah you know and i mean I, i think sometimes we look out and it is worth it and sometimes it's not um and so michelle and franck end up hooking up and franck kind of asks him like oh i thought you were dating somebody he's like nope that was just a casual thing yeah murdered him um and michelle is weird he's weird he's a little controlling but not super violent up front um we also learned that Henri and franck have been going to dinner as friends mostly because as franck and michelle spend more time with each other franck asks michelle to like hey can we spend the night together and he's like no let's just keep it here at the beach like he does not want to have a relationship he just wants to have a hookup and franck very much wants to have a relationship yeah because he even tells um, omri that he's like he's like i think i'm falling in love with him is what he yeah. says and that's where and this is you got the conversation where omri and franck discuss the fact that we have i have no desire to sleep with you but my heart races when you come near because we have such an intimate relationship in such a short time it's very sweet and it's i mean i also like that because i think it's good to establish that it is a true friendship yeah and you know 
Henri would be a great partner for Franck if they were sexually attracted to one another, but they're not. So they're just going to be friends. And, you know, I think we all have had that moment where, like, if only I was attracted to my best friend, my life would be so much easier because I wouldn't be looking for a partner. But it's like, but just because you're friends with someone doesn't mean you're going to be sexually attracted to them. Um, Even if you would make a perfect compliment to each other, you know, chemistry is a thing. Um, But yeah, uh, Franck and Michael get very intimate and they start having unprotected sex in the woods. And I think it's important to note that they are, you know, both topping and bottoming. So Michelle's kind of trying to give some power over to Franck because he's like, I want you to fuck me. Um, which I think, I think that's important to note. I think that's another thing, like, maybe Michelle really does care about him and really does want to. Or is he playing a game where he wants to, Franck to think he has the power in the relationship? I don't know. Yeah. It's kind of up to your interpretation, and that's kind of why this is a good movie. Um, but I think it's, I think those sex scenes are important to know that one, Franck is having unprotected sex, so he trusts Michelle, even though he shouldn't. Um, and Michelle is giving Franck some more power by letting him fuck him. Um, because, I mean, I'm sure... I don't I don't know every, if everybody's relationship like this, but I think, you know, some people are on top, some people are on bottom. doesn't matter either way. In a good relationship, I wouldn't say it means anything, but I think in some relationships it does. Yeah. I think there is a power struggle. It's kind of like, you know some people like to be dominated some people don't and not everyone even enjoys that part of sex but i'm just saying i think they're, they're definitely thematically playing with it in this movie yeah like not that it really matters who's on top or who's on bottom as long as everyone's having a good time but i think in this context michelle might be playing a mind game with Franck, or it might just be thematically like maybe michelle really does care about Franck. Maybe he yeah. he's gonna change. Maybe maybe he killed the other guy to be with Frank, and it's a bad thing to do. But he did it in the name of love. Maybe. Yeah. I don't really maybe. think that, but I'm just playing devil's advocate. Um, but Henri starts telling Frank that hey, Michelle's kind of weird. Like I don't know about you, but I think he's weird. And there's a detective poking his nose around, and they find the body in the lake. Yeah, they do. And so it's, like, it's unusually, so most days, like, the the beach has, like, men everywhere, or, like, at least sporadically spread. And then, like, uh, Frank gets there, and it's just Henri, he's like, yeah, they found a body in the lake. And it's, like, unusually da, da, quiet. Da. Yeah. Yeah. And so, um, Dan Rotter confronts Frank and Michelle about the victim, asks him questions, he explains, he's like, yeah, I don't know if it's a murder, but I'm trying to get, like, I'm trying to figure out what happened, if anyone saw anything. Um... So, yeah, and so we end up having a scene shortly after him and Henri talk about, like, the feelings Henri has for him. And he has a very tense conversation with Franck afterwards where he's like, you know, your lover was murdered and you don't even seem remotely upset about it. And um, so I think it's really, really interesting because after that scene, Michelle kind of storms off and there is this masturbator. that's yeah. kind of like throughout the whole movie and he comes up he's like he's even like tried to grab uh Frank's penis before and mm-hmm. he comes up and he's just like you know can I share your towel with you I want you and at first Frank's like oh I know and Frank does like this kind of body language like he's trying to like 
kind of like put like okay like bring himself in some distance and, yeah yeah distance and then the next thing you see is he's allowing the guy to perform oral Give sex him a blow on job. him yeah. yeah I'm just and like he's like okay and it made me wonder like I'm like you're you're so lusting so it's one thing when he hooked up with the Batman shirt guy to me because I'm like well he didn't he's know he's frustrated he fought, yeah he thought Michelle was in a relationship. But now it's like Michelle is giving you this, and you're still kind of casually hooking up. Um, I thought that was a really I think weird... it's more of a frustration because he's mad at Michelle. Yeah. Too, because Michelle kind of is like, can't we just have sex and not talk about things? And Frank's like, no. But then Frank's having anonymous sex. It's like, okay. I do love the character of the voyeur, the mm-hmm. masturbator, because... Like, it's kind of a comedic thing because he's just always, like, following, like, he's just always in the background. He's wearing these, like, white shorts and he's, just, like, sticking his hand down his pants. And I'm like, I wonder, do you, I've never really been in a PDA kind of situation. Like, high school makeout parties just always seemed kind of weird to make out with other people in the same room. Personally, I'm not into group yeah. making out. Um, pers- that's no judgment i'm just saying like it's never appealed to me personally so like i'm like is that what you have to deal with when you go to cruising spots like well, you're hooking up and someone's just is is it commonplace or is it just for comedic relief i will say this too i find the character kind of endearing in a weird way i know that's really weird but because he's always like for example he's watching uh michelle and frank and michelle's like we're not fucking we're talking and he's like oh well i won't listen and he's like no come back later we're fucking and he just leaves like he's like yeah. he doesn't like pressure into staying it's like if someone asks him to leave he leaves and i find that like oddly quirky and kind of endearing and with this situation with this this particular man too it's almost like a place where people can live out their fantasy without judgment yeah so i think it makes more sense there too yes that's why i was like i wonder if it's if it's a commonplace thing having not been cruising myself yeah i wonder um but so he he lets uh masturbator man give him a blowjob on the beach um and then when he comes back Henri and Michelle are missing I think oh wait oh so I I will say is this before or after they have a conversation uh, so about Michelle? he he leaves again um and Inspector Damrod pulls up again as Frank's oh, as yeah. Frank's leaving and I think this was really interesting because he's like um he's like did mm. you know the victim was was your lover's ex-lover and he even tells Frank, he's like, look, like, does it not concern you that, you know, this man's towel and his shoes were just on the beach for days and he just went missing. He was one of your own and show some concern, if only for yourself. So he's like, being yeah, like, this he's like, reason. it could be a serial killer. Like, it could be a homophobic serial killer coming after people like, like, be careful. Um, and this was so he really... seems like a genuinely nice man, but he's a little clueless about the culture. But and this, nice. this like bothered me too, is because after Dom Rod leaves, um, Frank is like Michelle, and like Michelle just comes out of the fucking darkness, like just listening, just was like, oh, I wanted mm-hmm. to see what you're doing, which is like to me like major red flags, super yeah. creepy. Mm-hmm. And there's a point where I don't know if it's before this or after this, I can't remember for sure, but um, Henri is kind of telling. Um, Frank, like, um, I'm pretty sure Michelle had something to do with that guy. Yeah, this is next day. Yeah. And also, like, please be careful. He's super dangerous. There's something strange about him. He's just not right. 
Um, again, he's wearing sneakers and only sneakers. There's something fucked up about that. I wish he would have actually um, said that. Like, <laughs> right. Um, but like they're having this conversation and Michelle like just like walks up behind them. I was like, oh shit. And then somehow Frank, Frank kind of walks away from the situation and he he comes back. Yeah, he comes back from swimming. Oh, there is one really creepy scene earlier where he and Michelle are swimming, and it's almost like Michelle's, like, chasing him. And I'm like, and it's it's very tense because you're like, oh, God, is he going to drown him, too? Is that, like, his fetish? But it's also in the middle of the day, so probably not. But yeah. it is, like, you can feel Franck's kind of, like, maybe I shouldn't be alone in the water with this guy. Yeah. Um, but he goes it- swimming. He comes back, and Henri and Michelle are missing. And he's yeah, like, Yeah, uh. so right before that, too, Henri actually confronts Michelle with no one else around. Mm-hmm. Because this really, this bothered Dumbass. me, too. I, I think, I think, I, I, I think I know what was happening but he confronts Michelle. He says he knows he's the killer. And then Henry literally tells him, he's like, oh, I'm going to go take a stroll in the woods. And he even looks back at him. And yeah, just it's like, really fucking weird. What the fuck are you doing? And that's when you can take over. I'm sorry to interrupt, but Frank realizes no, you're he's okay. no longer on the shore and he panics. And yeah. Yeah. And he goes into the woods and he hears some noise. And at first, honestly, at first I thought maybe Michelle and Henri were hooking up at first but turns out not to be that um you see michelle come out of the woods by himself and i think you see a knife in his hand but i'm honestly again this movie because it's very naturalistic sometimes it's hard to see things which makes it more realistic um but um he goes he waits for michelle to kind of go back into another part of the woods and he goes through the bushes and Henri has had his throat slit and is dying and franck tries to save him he takes his shirt and he tries to like do the blood and he just says it's okay i got what i wanted so obviously Henri's probably been trying to kill himself and that's probably why he came to the beach by himself because he's really depressed and um he's like you know this is at least i don't have to kill myself someone else killed me and see I was, it's almost like he put himself in danger and i was wondering maybe also because he he only had Frank. if like him dying was like his way of maybe making sure Frank got out of the situation um maybe yeah and i don't know i think your interpretation could be correct too but i kind of wondered about that line as well yeah it seems very meaningful and i i think it's that he either wanted to put himself in danger or maybe he went to try his hand at banging Michelle and it didn't work out for the best. Maybe they did bang and then he killed him, but yeah. he was fully clothed. So I doubt it. Um, sorry. <laughs> that's trying to be insensitive. Like he banged him, but like, I was like, I don't know. Maybe he's been voyeuristic because he, like he said, he did have past encounters with men, but didn't seem to be very lasting. But also he never really says why his relationship broke up with his girlfriend. Um, so it's like, I wonder if, he's trying to come to terms with something internally that he hasn't really um, confronted before. But I think it's more of, I think maybe he is just depressed and suicidal and this was a way to commit suicide without actually having to commit suicide. Yeah. Which sounds really sad. But that happened in Thirst too, where like um, Song Kang-ho's character was like, I've been helping people who are suicidal by, you know, killing them without them having to kill themselves. Um, and that's an interesting thought. Um, but anyways, so uh, Frank starts gets really scared and starts trying to run away, and he sees the inspector like come out from like the parking lot, 
and Michelle comes out of the bushes and just stabs him a bunch of times. And you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. And then, like, so uh, Franck is hiding from Michelle in the woods. And it's very tense. It's very dark. You can't see anything. And Michelle's, like, calling out his name, calling out his name. And then it goes quiet for a while. And then Franck comes out from his hiding oh, spot. Oh, you have to mention the one Michelle's thing he name. says. Uh, you have to mention what? the one thing Franck, uh, Michelle says. He's, like, calling for Franck's name. And then he goes... I'll go home with you. Like, I'll stay the night. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. And he goes, Michelle. And then the movie ends. But there was an alternate ending, according to Pierre, the main actor. He said originally the ending that they filmed was he, they did go home together. Yeah. And they just left. And, um, but I think the way they decided to end it is better because it's like, is yeah. Franck going to get murdered, or is he going to live happily ever after with his serial killer boyfriend? I like that they Who leave knows? it ambiguous. Like, that's, yeah. I like that, too. Because, like you said, it's like, does Michelle really maybe love Franck, or is it really that he is playing games and he is going to kill him? Yeah, you wonder if he played the same game with his former lover, or if, like, he did this for Franck, because... I mean, like you said, everyone likes Franck. Maybe he just really, really liked Franck. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Uh, and it's a it's a good movie. It's not crazy long either. Um, it didn't feel long. And I think the thriller aspects of this movie are superb. Um, I do say, like, again, it's just hard to recommend because it's so explicit um, in its sexual acts. And again, if that's not something that bothers you, cool. But I feel like a general audience would be hard to recommend this movie to. Um, which, I mean, I, I don't like telling people to edit down their visions, but at this time, this one, I'm like, I almost wish there was just like a black box version where they would just like have a little black box over, (laughs) like the really explicit things, you know? So I don't know. I don't know. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like the cum shot was unnecessary personally but i don't know am i just as prude for thinking that no i don't think so it doesn't really so what I, i'll keep coming back to i think not knowing was a shock to me i don't really i don't really mind those type of things now my my thing as a person who loves film i don't really think it's necessary but at the same time it doesn't yeah. bother it doesn't bother me either like that's I'm how not, i feel too yeah. yeah but again i'm not offended by it at all i just feel like it was unnecessary to have a cum shot. I don't think we needed that. I think it was distracting to the plot in some cases. But I do think it was important to know that Franck was not having protected sex. Yeah. I think it it speaks to his character. And I, I understand keeping that stuff in. Because it is like, it gets a little boring if he just keeps talking about, like, I don't want to wear a condom. It's better to show it, you know, in script. So I think a lot of that I agree with. But... I just, you know, and I will say the oral sex scene didn't bother me as much as for some reason the cum shot. Just, I think I will, it was because I didn't expect it. I, will I was say, just like, what? This is really, I, I, I hate to be, no, this is graphic to mention. So my second time, the first time I watched it, I was so taken back by both scenes. The second time I could very easily tell it was body doubles. Cause. Okay. Yeah. I mean, at least it's honest. I will say it's a very honest portrayal of sex and sexuality. Yeah. I could definitely like, appreciate the movie. And I will say yes. I, I'm very glad we watched it because it's mm-hmm. unlike any movie I've ever seen before. I can honestly say that. So Yeah. And it, it is kind of bringing you into a world that 
if you aren't in that world, it is bringing you very honestly into that. And so it's interesting. I really like the way it was filmed and that it's like very voyeuristic, like because there's so many voyeuristic people at the lake mm-hmm. because they're, they're essentially, they're cruising, they're checking each other out. Yeah. Um, so to feel like the camera is almost like your eyes um, and you're a witness um, to the events, I really love that aspect. I think that was one of my favorite parts of the movie was the way it was actually filmed. Um, mm-hmm. To me, I get it that it is a thriller, but to me, there wasn't enough really moments that it really kept it interesting. Like, I thought yeah. the movie was a good movie, but I didn't, like I said, the soundtrack, which what another thing, the ambiance of the soundtrack was cool because it was so much natural. But it made yeah. me feel really restful. Like, even the drowning scene, like, it's horrifying that someone's being drowned. But the way it was filmed, I didn't feel the real terror behind it. I guess if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, I think maybe some music would have helped in that aspect. But, you know, I kind of like that they made a choice to not have any I mean, music. They don't even have diegetic music, which yeah. is weird, because... Sometimes, like, Portrait of a Lady on Fire had diegetic music. Yeah. But they didn't have any, like, soundtrack. Well, yeah. So, And it's really yeah. admirable that, like, he, he had a choice and he stuck with it. And also, mm-hmm. I mean, this was a very small cast and crew. Like, I think they said 20 yeah. people were on set at all times. So mm-hmm. That's nothing. So. I just remember the cinematographer is a woman and the director was naked all the time. Interesting. Yeah. I guess she was fine with it. Yeah. I don't know if they ever worked again together, but uh, that's funny. I just was like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, a female cinematographer. So there's some women power in this movie. Yeah. Um, Yeah, was there anything you hated? Uh, Nothing that I really just hated. I just, once again, I think, and, and this is just my critical view. And so my thing is, is that, like, I don't think any critic who reviews a movie is going to be the end-all and be-all on the movie because everyone has their different opinions. I like that yeah. the choices made in the movie were the director had a vision, he really stuck with his vision, and he made a movie that was completely original, unlike anything mm-hmm. I've ever seen. Just for yeah. me, I don't really think I saw the rewatchability factor. It wasn't there yeah. for me. Like, I watched yeah. it twice, but I watched it twice because I really wanted to know the key plot points to talk upon in the podcast. Right. Yeah. And I kind of felt like I got it from one watch. Usually I watch them twice, but again, like, I didn't feel comfortable watching them with other people around. Yeah. If I had watched it, like, on Friday night, I probably would have watched it again on Sunday. But I just was, like, I was with my family, and I wasn't sure how explicit this movie got, but I knew that it was at a cruising spot, and I was like... Yeah. You know, my parents are pretty chill with most movies. They're pretty open-minded, but they they don't love like it's uncomfortable sometimes to watch explicit sex with yeah. your parents, obviously on TV. That's something I desire. My 10-year-old nephew staying with us this weekend, so I knew there there I knew there was no watching this one in the living room. So, yeah. And hey, if this is porn, I'm not judging whether it's porn or not, but if it is porn, it's you know, the best plot in a porn I've seen ever. So, and again, I'm not a big porn person, but you know, like it's, it's a good porn and it's at least has a really good plot. So, um, if you're feeling like you want to see some unsimulated sex, but you also, uh, want to have your, uh, get some good hot plot in there. 
Uh, I recommend it. Yeah. Um, do you have a rating for this movie? Like, a, out of 10? I do. I have, I'm gonna have to go with a 7.5. Okay, I gave it a 7. Okay. Mostly because it's just not easy to recommend to a wide audience, but I really like the movie, and I think it's really well made. And I, I do want to watch another movie by him, at least one, because um, I find it, I was like, that's interesting. I think it's interesting. I think he's a really good filmmaker. Yeah. Did you have a Grindhouse Girls rating? I did. I did. I had a few of them. None of them are my strongest, but um, my the, my personal best, I think, is rated T for uh, Tall, Tan, and Terrible. Oh, okay. That's cute. <laughs> um, but I also had D for Drowning Lessons, which um, is actually also a song by My Chemical Romance, and that's all I could think oh, of okay. with the drowning scene. And then, or you could read H for how I learned to drown. How I learned to drown. Yes, ha 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 ha. That's a theater reference, y'all. Yes. Sorry. Um, but I also um, my least solid rating was T for tennis shoes and towels. So interesting. Yep. Like those. Um, I had rated M for mysterious mustachioed men and money shots. <laughs> and then this one's just a throwaway one. Rated U for um, is this porn? <laughs> Because I'm not sure. Yeah, I like the rated M. I think it's a little. I think it's a little long, but I like it. I'm almost. I'm almost wanting to be M for money shots, but then I'm like, oh, like. <laughs> well, I think money shot is. I mean, I didn't want to say rated C for cum shots, yeah, so I, li- I think money shot is appropriate. I like that. Yeah. Okay, we'll do. We'll do money shot rated M. Okay, so now that we are done with Stranger by the Lake, it is time that we pick our last movie for June, which is my pick. Yes. Yeah. Over here. Yeah. Brittany, thank you for picking out such a cool movie this last week. Um, I've just, we've decided, um, there were a couple different movies that I thought about, um, but this movie has been on our list for a while, pretty much ever since we did The Invitation. Um, because it was by the same director, Karen Kasuma, or Kasuma. I can never remember how to pronounce her name. I'm sorry. Um, but she's a really cool director. Um, I watched a lot of interviews with her when we did the invitation and she just seems like a cool lady and she really kind of touts representation. Um, this is also a movie that was written by Diablo Cody of, um, Juno fame, who's done a lot of other stuff too. Um, she, I think. Didn't she create the United States of Terra as well, which oh, was an interesting I don't TV know if she series. did. I know recently Tolly was her did. most recent tout, so we'll, we'll 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 have info on her next week. But we are gonna do the um queer horror comedy um satire, Jennifer's Body. Yeah. A movie that was sorely misunderstood due to marketing when it was released and therefore really didn't make a whole lot of money. I remember seeing it and always wanting to watch it, but I just, the commercials made it seem like it was crappy and just like an average, like, slasher movie. So when I finally saw it, I was so impressed and so blown away by how cool it was and how entertaining it was. And it's a very, um, it's, I would say it's softly a queer movie. It's not, and I'm just saying queer just to incorporate everybody, so um, tell me if that's offensive, please. I don't want to offend anybody, but... I think that's okay to say, but it's just a general, like, it's, I would say it's softly supportive, 
but it's very honest about um, sexuality, especially figuring out your own sexuality is part of the movie. It's not the whole thing, but I would say a lot of the movie is probably symbolic for sexual maturity and how we change um, from being children to being adults in adolescence. It's a big part of it. Also, it's kind of fucking hilarious, yeah. and it's it's pretty gory. Yeah. Like, it's kind of zombie monster demon-y, and um, also Adrian Brody has a really funny part in it. And it has gotten kind of a resurgence lately. Um, people are talking about it. And also, it was released when, mm, I think we were in college when it was released yeah, it was or like high 2009. school. So like maybe freshman yeah. year for me anyway. Yeah. yeah. So when we were pretty young, which wasn't like the dark ages, but people didn't really explore sexuality in it. It was kind of like, it was kind of the the first years of like, it's cool to be whatever, but also we're going to put you in a pigeonhole of your sexuality. And this movie does not do that. Um, at least to what I remember. So, um, and it's kind of been touted as like an honest portrayal of bisexuality and like by curiousness kind of and exploring your own sexuality and trying things out. Um, that's not what the whole movie's about at all, but it is a big part of it. And I think it's, it's a entertaining and it's kind of a light movie. Yeah. Or making it sound way more serious than it is. It's really not even that, but a lot of people, there is some, you know, girl on girl light action, but they kind of made that the whole advertisement campaign was like, ooh, these two hot actresses kiss. But that's really like barely a part of the movie. Yeah. In that kind of way, it's more of the relationship between the two people and it's not such a sexual thing. And also, um, um the complexity between females, like friendships, is like yes. a very big part of the movie. Just because, yes. small spoiler alert, but the the two main characters have been friends practically their whole lives. Um, yes, yeah. and so like when how your friendships change when you mature, mm-hmm. especially with women, fr- female friendships. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's very, yeah, so that's why I think it's a great movie. It's very female centric, and we did a very male centric movie this time, so we're gonna do a very female centric movie. And um, one that is uh, pride positive. Yes. We'll call it a pride positive movie. Um, but, the, I mean, I think people didn't... I feel like no one talked about it until recently, about how it is very pride positive. Um, but that's kind of... Um, if you've heard about it recently, I think people are rediscovering it. So um, we're going to jump on that bandwagon, because it's definitely been on our list for a couple of years. Yeah. But we're going to jump on that bandwagon and talk about it. Because if you haven't seen it yet... You should watch it. Right now it is streaming on Hulu um, and um, highly recommend. Also, we recommend The Invitation, but we already did that one. So, you know, whatever. Um, but, yeah, so we're going to do Jennifer's Body next week. Last um, last movie of June, Pride Month in America. And, yeah, I think it's I think it's good. Because, honestly, like, the other, other one that I thought was appropriate for us would be High Tension. But, again, mm, I just need to I need to watch it again and do some more research before we talk about it because I need to look at it from a different like experience level of living yeah and see what I feel about it at this point um yeah because I just don't want to I don't want to do something in the whole conversation be this movie is homophobic I don't think that would be a very good discussion yeah so we just we just all get pissy and we just all be sad yeah so 
But it is an interesting movie in a lot of ways. But we're not going to talk about that. But Jennifer's Body is kind of a romp. It's very funny. Chris Pratt is in it before he was famous. Uh, in a very tiny part. Um, and there's a lot of really good... Megan Fox is obviously in it. And Amanda Seyfried. Um, who I feel like kind of got shafted for a few years. Amanda Seyfried is a much better actress than people give her credit for. Um, she kind of got pigeonholed in being like kind of a wispy kind of light and airy characters Mm -hmm. but um she's got more range than people give her credit for plus she's my favorite character in mean girls karen is the best character in mean girls the funniest character i was her for halloween one year (laughs) that's how much i love her um freshman year i made mouse ears and wore a skanky black dress and put a backwards k on my chest and went around um, feeling my, holding my boobs and telling people the weather prediction. That's funny. It was a great night. It was a fun night. I love costumes that I can be in character for. It's fun. Anyways, um, so we're going to do Jennifer's Body. Yay! Yes! I'm excited. Me too. It's fun. Also, Megan Fox gives a fantastic performance. And I feel like I judge Megan Fox on being in the Transformers movies. And I thought she was kind of a shitty actress. But then I went and back and watch jennifer's body i was like you know what people give megan fox a bad rap she's i don't think she's a shakespearean wonder of an actress but i think she's really good in the right parts yeah and this is she is perfect for this part um so it's just yeah pitch perfect it's great um so i guess with that we're gonna say good night um stay safe out there um, it's going to be Brittany's birthday this weekend. Yay. Happy birthday, Brittany. Thank you. Thank so, you. And that means yeah. that means it's Katie's half birthday. What? So It's a half birthday, <laughs> but it's, it's Brittany's birthday. It's Brittany's day. Um, so, yeah. So, we'll have fun there. I have her presents wrapped behind me. <gasps> oh, I don't ever expect presents. I get to the age where I'm like, I don't need presents, but thank you. Yes, you always need presents. I always feel no, like. I like the presents I got you. Yay, I'm excited. I love buying people presents, honestly. <laughs> like, I love making presents. I love giving presents. That's my love language. That and baking things for people, which I'm also baking Yay. for a birthday cake. We'll see how it tastes. I've made masterful plans. We'll see what happens, though. Um, I'll try to take pictures if it actually works out. Um, but yeah, so stay safe out there. Um, get vaccinated, drink some water, um, know your surroundings. There's been some weird stuff going on in the world, so just be careful. Um, we love you guys. Watch out for each other and stay safe out there, kiddos. Did I already say take your vitamins? Wash your hands? Yeah. Yeah. And you even said, you even said, uh, drink your water. So yeah, Katie, remind you. No, you're good. You're good. So sorry. Um, no, you're good. I'm thirsty. That's what I'm saying. I love it. I drank all my water already. Yes, get more water. Um, as always, guys, um, Katie covered a lot of it, but we look forward to seeing you, um, same time, same spooky channel. Yes, stay spooky, y'all. Stay spooky, y'all. Good night, night, Katie. Bye. Bye. Good night, Brittany. <laughs> Bye, guys. Love ya. Bye. The Grindhouse Girls podcast is a production by Katie Dale and Brittany Ray and edited by Katie Dale. All music used is royalty-free and will be in our annotations. If you have any questions, comments, suggestions, please contact us at contact us at grindhousegirlspod.com or visit our website at grindhousegirlspod.com. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon.